So it took us nine months to actually find that first deal. So I always say, you know, be persistent, be patient, don't settle for something. You will find the right deal. It's just a matter of time. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, today we have a really interesting, unique interview for you. You guys know that we almost all, we exclusively interview real estate agents, and I have a real estate agent that I'm interviewing today, but she doesn't do a whole lot of real estate agent practice. She uses her real estate license for herself. What she's going to talk to us a lot about today is Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement is one of her books. This is Rachel Richards. She is a best-selling author of a couple different books, and the you know we had some mutual friends introduce us recently, and I thought it would be a great time to have her come on to talk to everybody else because it's such a unique time in the world to find out about you know kind of passive income lifestyle. So, Rachel, how are you? Hey, Aaron, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. So, you're out in Colorado Springs. I was supposed to be in Colorado Springs this week in my RV. I think a lot of people know we had a little bit of a setback when my daughter got hurt. But you said it's snowing out there right now, too? Yeah, it's probably a good thing you're not here because it's randomly snowing. It's one of the earliest times it's ever snowed here, apparently. Yeah, I'm, I'm very new at RV life and, our, and RV driving. And I know the, the weather in Colorado is beautiful during the summer compared to in Austin, Texas, where I'm, where I'm from. It's super hot and muggy. So we were looking forward to that. But I, I'm not ready to drive a 30-foot you know, RV through the snow yet. I'm not. not yeah, that sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. So the, so a big part of your story is you, I mean, you're young, you're an aggressive entrepreneur. You already, you know, you've done really well with, with kind of passive aggressive, you know, passive income, right? So the, so tell us about, just tell me your story for a few minutes. You know, how did you get into where uh, you started investing uh, using that and, and what are your strategies that you try to share with everybody? Yeah, for sure. So I am 28 now. I own almost 40 rental units. The first question I always get from people is, are you a trust fund baby? And the answer is no, I'm not a trust fund baby. I've actually never made six figures in my life. My first job out of college, I was making 32 grand, but I was just saving a lot. I was being frugal, being responsible with my money. So in 2017, I think I was about 24 at the time, my husband and I, we purchased our first duplex with money that we had saved. And that was the beginning of our passive income journey. Before that, I didn't have any passive income. And to me, the way I define passive income is that it's money that is earned with little to no ongoing effort. Is anything truly passive? Maybe portfolio income. Um, And I always say that with real estate investing, you have to have a property manager to really make it passive because chances are none of us want to quit our jobs to become a full-time landlord, right? So that's how I view passive income. Um, And then later in 2017, I wrote and launched my first best-selling book, Money Honey. So we had these two passive income streams, rental income and royalty income. We focused on growing those as much as we possibly could over the next few years. So fast forward to today, again, I have almost 40 rental units, 40 doors. I now have two best-selling books. And last year, I was able to quit my job and retire 
and I'm now living off over $15,000 per month in passive income. So that is my high level story. Man, that is why everybody's going to listen. You've never made more than $100,000 a year when, when, you know, when you never made six figures when you had a job. But during that time, you were still able to grow and launch these other things, which is great for our real estate listeners out there because a lot of our agents probably don't average six figures. A lot of them have not gotten to six figures a year. They have good, solid businesses. And you're saying, hey, when you started at 32000 a year, you were able to start on this path. And what I've been talking to everybody about the last six months is you need to diversify, right? This what, what COVID has taught us, what this whole crazy lockdown experience has taught us is that you never know which business is 100% protected or not. So being able to have other options out there. And I've really been trying to encourage so much of our, of our listeners, so many of our agents to start investing in themselves, you know, invest in other businesses, invest in other outcomes. And, the, and you have this, so you, bought, you guys bought your first duplex at the time, your husband and, and you both had both had jobs, right? Like, like normal jobs. What were the, the, you know, the specifics on that? How much did you pay for that duplex? How much did you put down in savings? How much of a loan? And do you still have that duplex today? Yeah. So yes, we were both working full time when we bought the property and we did that for the first two years. We self-managed all of our properties at first. So that first duplex, um, we had a couple of things going for us that helped make it a really great investment. First, we were investing in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where we own all of our rental properties. And it's a great place to invest. I really think anywhere in the Midwest is a great market because housing prices are reasonable. The rental market is strong. So our duplex only cost $100,000. And even in Louisville, that's a really good price. So my husband and I took the savings we accumulated by then. So we each put 10 grand into buying this duplex to get to our $20,000 down payment. And right off the bat, it was cash flowing $500 a month in profit. So it was a really, really good deal, really high cash on cash ROI. Now it's cash flowing something like eight or 900 bucks because over the past few years, we've renovated it, we fixed it up, we've been able to raise the rent prices and everything. So it's even, it's doing even better. And yes, we, we do still own it today. I always say this is like the best investment we'll have ever done. And it is still true. <laughs> Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. Now, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you wanna check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay to get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University. 
for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. Yeah. What a cool option there. And so when you're talking about that cash on cash investment, so at the beginning, you guys invested 20,000 out of pocket and then you got a loan on it and then you would net $500 a month. So every year you would make $6,000 profit mm-hmm. after all expenses. And so when you had invested 20,000, so you take 6,000 divided by 20,000 and that's the return that you guys were getting. So you're getting a 30% return on your money. Yes, which is the highest that we've gotten from any of our rentals. A lot of them are still really high because Louisville, again, it's a great place to invest. So a lot of our cash on cash ROIs are around 15, 20, 25%. But this duplex is definitely the highest. Yeah. So you guys did that first duplex. What 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 was the first things you learned about being a landlord? What surprised you? Like, hey, this was easier than I thought. And what was, this was harder than I thought. So many things. So first, what surprised me before I even became a landlord was how long it can take to find the right deal. And this is where I think a lot of new investors get discouraged because it can take months and months to find the right deal. And as as agents know, the MLS, it's very competitive, right? It's very saturated. It can be difficult to find deals on the MLS. So I, I just had to stay patient. We made several offers on properties. We had several contracts on properties that fell through because of the inspection or something else didn't work out. So it took us nine months to actually find that first deal. So I always say, you know, be persistent, be patient. Don't settle for something you will find the right deal. It's just a matter of time. Um, Something else that was surprising to us is I would say that when we started out, I think that the tenant management was a little bit easier than I expected. We had really great tenants from the get-go, and I think that's something we did right, whereas that might be a common mistake for others, is really screening our tenants very, very thoroughly. You know, running a thorough credit report and a thorough background check. We use the platform called Cozy and it does everything for us. It automates everything. So it's really easy. And even following up with the references that they put, you know, a lot of people will put down the references, but then the landlord might not even call them, but that's something we did well. So we got the right people into our units, which saved us a lot of time and hassle and money later on. Yeah. The, and, not, and not an ad, but we've used Cozy for a lot of our stuff too. And I know there's a lot of new companies coming out for that, but they're really are set for you know, mom and pop people that are just first getting started to be able to collect rents and screen things and, and get the automatic payments where it's there. You also talked about raising rent. So now you make, you know, 800 to 900 a month. On our rentals, in general, we look every year, we're, raise, we're raising about 8% a year. So on that annual increase, we take whatever they paid last year and the rent goes up about 8% a year. And that's happening the last couple of years. And, you know, different market conditions affect that. Do you have set amounts that when you raise the rent every year that you, that you go to? You know, it really depends on the tenant. Sometimes we'll do a 3% raise, but if we have a tenant that we can tell might be looking for another place to live and they're a really great tenant, we'll say, listen, we won't raise your rent if you want to stay for another year. Because to me, having that good tenant that's paying on time, that's really low maintenance, it's worth more to me than that, you know, little increase in rent. But for other tenants, I will will go ahead and increase the rent, you know, 3%, 5%. It just depends. Yeah. So you're talking a lot about risk, risk and reward. And I guess that's one of the benefits as you first get started, right? You know, each property that you have, you're screening the tenants yourself, you know, the experiences a little bit tougher when you get to 30 or 40 units to be able to remember each tenant of going, Hey, this is a great one. This isn't, 
I guess the best ones you never hear from. And so you're like, wait, I haven't heard from this tenant. So maybe I'll just keep the rent the same and, and keep it going. Any tricks with that that you've done to keep track of people as you've grown your portfolio bigger? Yeah, that's a great point. It's, it is hard to keep track. And you're right. The best tenants are the ones that I never hear from. I love them. <laughs> yeah. But my husband and I, we use Google like shared docs for almost everything. So we just maintain a tenant spreadsheet with, you know, the room, the unit that they're living in, the rent, some notes about them. And that's how we keep track. But I will say for us, well, I think when we got to about 26 units, we were both still working full time. We were managing the properties on the weekends and I was writing my books in the evenings. So we just got to the point where we were working 80 hour weeks and we couldn't take on any more. So at that point is when we hired our first property manager. And I think you do have to understand that if you're going to continue to scale the real estate business, you're not going to be able to always do it on your own, right? I'm a control freak. I'm a type A perfectionist. So it's hard for me to delegate. But this is one of those things where A, I didn't have the time and B, I wanted to make this passive, right? The goal of this for me was to create passive income. So we hired our first property manager. We've definitely made some big mistakes there that I can share. But once you get to that point, you don't have to worry so much about memorizing all of your tenants' names. Yeah. So if you're going to give some advice to people that want to go buy their first one, right? So somebody's starting to listen to this before we get into some of your, your, your books and some of the other ideas, what's the, what's the one piece of advice you'd give somebody that they're about to go buy their first one? And you already said, hey, take your time. Make sure you buy a, a good one. Anything else that you're thinking that people should think about as they're looking for that first deal? Oh, for sure. There's a couple of things. So I would say my biggest advice for new investors is do not underestimate your expenses, this is where most people go wrong when they get into a rental property because it's easy to just think, oh, my rental income minus my mortgage payment equals my profit, right? But that could not be further from the truth because you have all these other expenses you have to account for, like utilities. Who's going to pay utilities? Are you going to pay it or is the tenant going to pay it? What about lawn care and pest control? Who's going to pay for that? What about maintenance, HOA fees, vacancy, property manager, and then just a miscellaneous bucket? I mean, I could go on and on, but you have to make sure you estimate the expenses and be really conservative in your estimates so that you're not getting into a bad deal. So that's one thing to take very seriously. Another thing is, and I think this applies for so many situations is just get started. You know, I, I even held myself back from investing in real estate because A, I didn't feel like I had the knowledge. I was, I was not confident in my knowledge and B, I didn't think I had enough money. So I waited until I was 24, 25 to buy our first property, which yes, that's still young and that's still great, right? But in hindsight, I could have done it sooner. There are strategies like house hacking and wholesaling where even if you don't have a ton of money, you can still get started right now. Yeah. The, I, I love some of those different strategies that are out there. So tell us about your book. So your first book was Money, Honey, right? And the, what, what was that about? What did you focus on? So I wrote Money, Honey because I used to be a financial advisor. And even all throughout high school and college, all of my family and friends would come to me for financial advice, which was great because I love to help people. At the same time, I began to wonder, well, why aren't these people, you know, reading books or learning on their own? And then I realized oh yeah, personal finance is boring, right? It's overwhelming, it's intimidating, it's complex. No wonder people don't like to learn about it. So I thought to myself, well, how can I make this topic just fun and entertaining and simple? And that's where the idea for Money Honey came from. So it was a lot of fun to write. It's just about the basics of money management, you know, budgeting, savings, debt payoff, and investing. It's really struck a nerve with uh, female millennials and it's really done more successful than I ever would have imagined. So it's like cliff notes in financial management. 
Yeah, it's like, it's like money for fun. Yeah, money for fun and taking all those things that you learned and really simplifying it to make. And so, and that has actually become something that, like you're making money on that book. Now, a lot of us have written books and there isn't a, there isn't a huge margin in books. Like I think people are, are kind of shocked to hear that you know, for a lot of authors, every time they sell a book for 15 bucks, their profit's like two or three dollars. You know, if someone is thinking about writing a book and using that, what, what did you use as methods that really helped you make it profitable? Was it just that you sold way more copies than you thought? Or is there different you know, agreements that you made to, you know, to make sure? Do you, do you buy the books ahead of time and then distribute them yourself? You do it through Amazon? What's, what, what are some of your secrets? So the first decision I had to make was, do I want to go the traditional publishing route or self-publishing? And at first, I thought traditional publishing sounded sexy, right? Because you, you think that you're going to get this huge book deal, that they're going to have this huge launch and promotion and marketing plan for you. And that sounded great to me because I didn't, I didn't want to have to do any of that. But then I did some research. I asked around other authors that I know. And, you know, a lot of those authors told me, well, actually, with the traditional publishing deal, they don't actually do a lot of marketing for you. They still expect you, the author, to do 99% of the promotion, promoting for your book. And I was like, well, that's weird. So here I was thinking, I can make 10 to 15% royalty with a traditional publishing deal, or I can make a 35 to 70% royalty by self-publishing on Amazon. And if I'm going to have to do all the marketing anyways, I might as well make a lot more money while I'm doing it, right? And retain complete creative control over my work. So that's what I recommend for any new author, any first-time author that didn't, doesn't have any platform, because I didn't either. I went with self-publishing. And I think the biggest thing, because you're right, publishing a book, it's so competitive. Most self-published authors only sell 250 to 300 copies. So yeah, you're not going to make a lot of money. And the, the question you have to ask yourself is, why would someone buy my book over the thousands of books that are already out there, right? There are thousands of books written by personal about personal finance. So if you right. can't articulate that, you're going to have a hard time selling it. You have to really articulate the benefits to the reader and articulate the unique problem that you're solving in the marketplace. Yeah. What it, that's, it's really cool that you've been able to actually kind of bet on yourself and take that to make you know, the, the book's super successful. So that was your first book. And, and so you bought your first rental, you started making some passive income that way. Then you got the book and that surprisingly started to create some passive income for you. What are the, some of the other strategies you've done to grow your passive income to be able to, like you said, retire at 28? Yeah, so now I have four or five passive income streams, but the two biggest ones are the rentals and the royalties, right? I don't think you necessarily have to have 10 different passive income streams. You can focus on one or two and grow them as much as possible. And the great thing about passive income, you touched on it earlier, Erin, is this idea of income diversification, right? Because a lot of us think that having you know, a sales-based job or a full-time salary job, that that will provide us some type of income security or job stability. But in reality, if you're 100% dependent on a single source of income, there's nothing secure about that. What happens if you lose your job, your hours get cut, you don't sell as many houses as you wanted to this month? right? Then you're really struggling. So it's so important to diversify your income and make sure you are creating income from multiple different sources. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners. I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break. But this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need. And this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So 
You know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not. Or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all, joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network. Go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a formal, it's just an interest list for us to see is this something we want to be doing. So that's that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two-day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I mean, a lot of you guys are in the you know the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures, on how to find deals, on how to you know do title, you know, go to auction, also turn that into clients for your real estate agents, how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client. So go you know, check out that course, especially for, you know, you can, you can buy the course now, but again, most of you guys already subscribed to all that. I just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content, great, great content that I just recorded on there uh, that all of you guys have access to now at Rebus University. And then finally, we have software that we talk about on and off. It's called PadHawk. And in PadHawk, you can use that to go find leads. What, uh, you know, everyone is really, really busy right now. And we're so, so busy, people are selling and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they're, they're, they can't find houses. Well, Paddock will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might wanna get there. I recorded a quick video, it's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So let's go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 99 bucks a month, but nationwide, any city out there, and it is a great way to find houses. So right now, people are saying there's lots of buyers, but we can't find enough houses. Well, maybe you can use this software. You'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house. All right, back to your regularly scheduled program. Thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break. So a perfect example of this is my rental income right now, right? We're in the middle of coronavirus. My rental income took a significant hit. In a normal month, pre-COVID, we were making anywhere from eight to 12 grand per month in profit from our rentals. In April, we only made $1,000 in profit. That's, that's an enormous loss, right? Now, there were a lot of landlords that were doing better than me. There were a lot that were worse off than me. But the way I saw it is if I could just break even for a few months, I would be fine with that. Like if that was my worst case scenario, no big deal. I'm not losing money. But the only reason I wasn't panicking and operating out of a place of desperation is because I had all these other passive income streams keeping me afloat. And that's why I think it's so important for people like real estate agents or salespeople, anyone that's commission based to think about how can I generate multiple streams of income so that if I have a hard month one time, I'm not financially hurting. I think that's what we can focus on. Yeah. And one of the things that I've more recently learned about too with diversification is most of our rentals are in a couple cities in Texas, right? And then we have you know some in some in Arizona and some in you know other states in Ohio and and in California. But before I used to kind of think so you know rentals was going to be one way to diversify, and then our flipping business was another, you know, and then these different businesses that we own as as other businesses, you know, a lot of ways to diversify. 
But I've kind of learned too that as people get into you know, real estate investing and rentals, you kind of have to diversify based on city and state too. As you get bigger, it's harder. But some states have had very, very strict, you know, rent laws, non-eviction laws, you know, things lately where others haven't. Or in, in Texas, you started, you know, it was very landlord friendly. And by, by May or June, they were able to kind of have business as normal again. It was like, no, if people aren't paying rent, you can actually send them notices. And there were other places where our rental in California, we weren't even allowed to send a, a, a notice to pay. If somebody hadn't paid for three or four months, we, were, we weren't even allowed to reach out and say, hey, pay, you know, you need to pay your rent. They could still reach out and say, my air conditioner is broken. So that was something I hadn't really thought about before COVID. I thought, you know, rentals is a kind of one bucket. It's nice and diversified. Our fix and flip company hasn't done very well at all since March because we haven't been able to buy foreclosures. Have you thought much about that now when you look at, you know, yours, it said all of your stuff, I think you said was in, in Louisville. Yeah. And so you, so now you've been performing, find out there as you grow more, are you thinking about adding other cities or are you thinking about just staying in where you're at? Well, here's the thing. And you're right. This has definitely been new for me as a real estate investor. Cause I didn't think about diversifying geographically before either, but now we're seeing that there's real reasons to do so because in Kentucky, there's an eviction moratorium, I think until the end of the year. So we can't do anything. And I actually think that's one of the biggest problems with the real estate investing industry right now is this eviction moratorium and penalizing landlords for this. Um, I don't know the answer. I'm not the expert, but I don't think that's the right answer. So um, yeah, we, we have thought about, investing in new locations but the thing is we haven't acquired rental properties since 2018 so i've never been so passionate about real estate investing that i wanted to create a huge empire for me it's more a means to an end and i think that's how it could be for most people right we created income from it so that we could spend our time doing what we wanted to do and creating that freedom and flexibility so at this point we probably won't acquire more if anything we might start selling off to invest in something that's even more passive yeah so the, so a lot of the stuff you, you did when you did get into real estate was, you know, you guys would get loans to do it as you had these other jobs. What advice would you give to people out there to make them better, to get, make it easier for them to get these investment loans? Are there any tricks or secrets that you had as, when you went to go get your first duplex or as you went later that, that you think people need to hear? Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple tricks, especially with like someone that's self-employed, because with if you're self-employed, then you have to provide at least two years of self-employment income to prove that you have a consistent, stable income. So it's just something to keep in mind as you're looking to get a real estate loan. The second thing to know is that most lenders require you to have at least 20 to 25% down on an investment property. And there's normally no way around that. Now, you can do house hacking, you can live in as a primary residence, or you can buy a multifamily and live in one of the units and rent out the rest. That way you can qualify for a loan as a primary residence. But otherwise, if you're just buying it as an investment property, you normally do have to have a lot of money. So here's a tip I always tell real estate agents or anyone that's commission-based. It really starts with your budget and being able to save a lot of money, right? So a lot of people think that wealth has to do with income but that cannot be further from the truth. Somebody making 300,000 a year in commissions and spending $300,000 a year is not wealthy, they're broke. But the same real estate agent making 30 grand in commissions and saving 50%, that person's gonna be able to start investing in real estate. So it starts with really having command of your budget and of your spending. Now, one mistake that commission-based people make is that when it comes to their budget, they tend to look at their average income over the last 12 months and make a budget based on that. 
But the problem with that is that sometimes you're going to have more than that in income or sometimes you're not going to make as much money. What do you do in those months where you don't make as much money? Then your budget is totally messed up. So I always tell real estate agents, budget based off of your worst income month in the last 12 months. That way you're always going to have all of your money accounted for and anything that you make over and above that you can save or treat it as a bonus or pay off debt or put it towards the down payment on the next rental property. So that's what I would say for any commission-based person. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think when COVID first hit, a lot of people went in and looked at their credit card statements and said, hey, here's all the auto pays that I should be getting rid of. People started canceling subscriptions and things like that. Any advice you'd have for people if they're trying to like adjust their budget? What, what are some things that you've seen as quick, easy ways for people to say, save that maybe they don't always think about or maybe they think this is a necessity and there's a way around it. any tips for people just trying to you know save money oh for sure so i ask this question in my workshops a lot i'll say hey what sorts of things do you do if you're trying to save money quickly the go-to answer is always i'm going to eat out less i'm going to make my coffee at home i'm going to go i'm going to stop doing online shopping and i obviously agree with all those things those are all important we should absolutely be keeping our spending in line but there's a common theme there right we're all focused on decreasing our expenses and that's great, that's important, but there's also a limit. We can't stop buying groceries. We can't stop paying our rent or mortgage payments. So it's a little bit limited. If you really wanna make an impact with your budget and save a ton of money, you should focus on doing both, decreasing your expenses and increasing your income. And the great thing about increasing your income is there's no cap on how much money you can make in a year. There's nothing stopping you from making more money. For real estate agents, this is a real, you know, this is an easy thing to do because it's just a matter of going out, getting more listings, selling more houses, closing on more transactions. All right. But there are other ways to increase your income. Quick and easy ways. Something that I always like to do twice a year is clean out my closet and sell, sell my old clothes or clothes that don't fit on Poshmark. I make several hundred bucks every time I do that. Yeah. And I think it's a good point too there because there's a lot of, with all of the, you know, self-working industries out there, there's, you know, there's Uber, there's Instacart, there's ways that people can actually say, you know, Hey, this is my day. This is my normal job. But once a week I go do this other thing. I make an extra hundred or 200 bucks. And that's what goes in the, in the savings kitty. So it's not just a long, it's not just, you know, cutting expenses. You're having to cut my budget by a couple hundred bucks a month. And I'm going to make a couple hundred bucks a month extra. Those little small changes, if they save it in the right way, all of a sudden becomes that savings. I think that's great. So if somebody buys your book, so if somebody buys passive income, aggressive retirement, I see it behind you, uh, you know, for, for your book, what are, what are they going to learn? What did you teach them about in there? So I wrote the book because in the year leading up to me quitting my job, as I was telling people I was going to quit my job and retire, obviously I was getting a lot of questions like, how the heck are you doing this? You're 27 years old. So that's why I started writing the book. It's not like it's a memoir. I touch on my background, but most of the book is me outlining 28 different passive income models and how anyone can get started. So trust me, there is definitely something out there for everybody. I love that. So like 28 options. They can go look at that. They can find one or two that, that fits them. And then that gets, you know, they get there. You know, kind of what are, what are some final thoughts for listeners out there? I would just encourage people, you know, you can absolutely achieve financial independence. Anyone at any age and on any income can create passive income and retire early. And so I'll leave listeners with one of my favorite quotes by Zig Ziglar. And he said, you don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great. 
I love that. You don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great. So, you know, what are, so you've got kind of a free gift for our listeners. What do you have for them to get started and what are some ways they can reach out and find you if they want to learn more about, I guess, what you remind them what your book name so they can go buy your book. Where can they buy your book? Where can they come find you? What do you have for them? Yeah, for sure. So both of my books, Money, Honey, and Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement, are available on Amazon in ebook, audio, and paperback. And my Money, Honey, I just released my second edition. And I have a new Ford that's written by Paula Pant of Afford Anything. So I'm super excited. Also, Aaron, I'd love to give your listeners my free passive income starter kit where I outline those 28 passive income models, give a ton of free resources and tools. There's a worksheet that helps you figure out which passive income stream should I focus on creating first based on your time and your money constraints. So if anyone wants to download that, you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. All right, moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. They can get that. I'm sure on there they can see your different books and and, uh, different ways to kind of reach out and start building their passive income. Yes. Awesome. Well, Rachel, this was a great, great interview today. And I think it was, it, it was a great time to bring it in. And it is super unique for, you know, like you said, even though you have your real estate license, you've only really used that to help get your investments a little different spin today, but at a great time for people to really realize hey, it's not just about saving money. It's about increasing your income. And I think that's something that right now where times are tough, people aren't thinking about oh, I'm going to be able to increase my income right now. A lot of people are thinking, save, 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 my income's falling. But like, I love the ways that you're reminding them, no, there's a lot of extra ways to, you know, there's a lot of extra ways just to go make more money that isn't necessarily passive. But then there's also the passive ways by doing that, then it sets you up to do that passive stuff. So thanks again for being on here and maybe we'll have you on again in the future. Yeah, thanks so much, Aaron. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.